Welcome to the Her Define podcast, here to help you define your own means of success. Do you have ambitious career goals but are feeling lost, confused, or even frustrated with where you're currently at? Maybe you have a passion to start your own business but don't know how to achieve it. Hi, I'm Juliana and I've been right where you are at several points in my life. During these times, I've turned to inspiring and ambitious women for guidance to point me in the right direction and lead me to a solution. Each week, here on Her to Find, a successful entrepreneurial or businesswoman will share her real-life experiences and insights while defining the ways in which she achieved success. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get into it. Hey there, and welcome back to the Her to Find podcast. Last week was... Last week was something. It was everything I had hoped for and more. It was incredibly overwhelming and I just want to say thank you all so much to any of you that took time out of your day to listen to it, to share it with someone else, to go leave a review or to subscribe or follow. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. I had so much fun and the feedback her to find received was incredible. I'm really, really glad that um, everyone enjoyed Kim's and Bridget's episodes. They were truly inspiring, such important messages within both of them. And I was so glad to share those first with you. Today's guest is a wealth of knowledge in all things hormonal health. I've recently started taking an interest in my own hormonal health, so I am very excited to have Sarah Dellis Cuddy join me. Sarah founded Zofi, a wellness test kit with physician-created tips and tricks customized to your own results. After her mom passed away from a hormone-sensitive breast cancer, Sarah's high-stress, work-driven, lawyer lifestyle drastically changed. It turns out she had severe hormonal imbalances. She was overwhelmed, over-exercising, but overweight, and had cystic acne. She wanted to balance her hormones without the steep price tag of hiring a naturopath. Enter Zofi. Zofi gives you the tools to be the CEO of your own health. Sarah says that each test reveals something new about your hormones and gets you one step closer to optimal hormonal health. Zofi is made by women for women. They are 100% female funded and founded and Sarah's team is made up of mostly women under 35. If Zofi sounds like a right fit for you and your hormones, Sarah has so graciously given us a discount code to receive $25 off your first testing kit. Use HerToFind25 at checkout. In this episode, Sarah and I discuss the valuable lessons she wishes she'd known before launching her startup, her despise of social media but realizing she really needs it for Zofi to be successful, and finally, how she manages the demands of her entrepreneurial lifestyle while also making time to honor and maintain her health. Let's get into the episode. Can you describe your previous hectic lifestyle as a lawyer in addition to losing your mom at a young age and how it's brought you here today with Sophie? Well, I, I think a lot of women can relate to wanting to make their parents proud. I remember I wanted to be a personal trainer when I was like 18 or 19. And that just didn't fly with my mom. Um, and so I, I'm really glad that I did get on the track of, of law. I, I loved practicing law. I loved studying law. I loved law school a lot. I went to law school in the U.S. and Canada. And um, I ended up with a great firm. And I really enjoyed enjoyed practice. But what I saw really was the same lifestyle that my mom lived, which was not not a lot of sleep, more the anxiety, really high anxiety, a lot of stress, and things out of your control that cause stress. Anyways, I started to to feel a little bit run down and a little um, like I was following her path. You know, she she passed away in her mid mid fifties, and 
she looked back and thought, wow, yeah, like I've lived a lifestyle that's gotten me here. And not a lot of women can do that and nor, nor should they. That's everyone's own journey with cancer. It's, it's a very personal thing, but she looked back and was like, I could really see in my lifestyle, the way that I ate, the way that I moved the way, or, you know, didn't move and, and didn't eat the way I should have and things like this. And I know she didn't want that lifestyle for me. And I know she didn't want it for my sister. And we do know with our family history that breast cancer is, you know, a risk for us. And, and so after she'd passed for a few years and, and things were going really well with work, I was really happy in a lot of ways, but I was trying so hard to overcome the lifestyle. And, and by that, I mean, I was dragging the green smoothies to work, um, trying to take, I was taking a lot of supplements. I was seeing a naturopathic doctor a lot, which was a blessing that, you know, the, luckily the job could, you know, I could afford to see a naturopathic doctor a lot. I was doing, um, IV vitamin infusions with my natural naturopathic doctor a lot, um, which they're, you know, they're great in a way if you really need them, but you shouldn't be using them as a prop to just keep you going. And that's where I felt like I was just kind of every time I would go see my, my naturopathic doctor, she was like, look, you're taking all the supplements, you're doing all the things, but you need to slow down until you get the sleep, until you get your anxiety down, your hormones are never going to change. Your weight's never going to change and you're never going to feel better. Eventually I just, that, that kind of just got a little tiring and it sunk, sunk in and I realized it wasn't who I wanted to be. That was just simply that. And I got really excited about something new and that, and that was Zofi. Why is it so important that women understand their hormonal health? I think women realize it's really important to understand their hormonal health when they're in their fifties, when, or they're like probably forties, actually. I hear a lot of women in their forties understand how important it is because they get so scared of the big M that menopause is coming. What I think if I were to rephrase that question, I would say, why should younger women be more involved in their hormonal health and understand it more? And that's because an ounce of cure is worth a pound of prevention. And if we got on top of our hormones when we were 20, menopause is going to be pretty much a breeze. And we are less likely to have fertility problems. We're probably going to have great skin. Our weight is going to stay at that nice, happy place, which for some people listening is probably hard to even imagine your weight just, just doing its thing nicely for you. And then of course, reducing our risk for breast cancer. In addition to the obvious one of, I don't know if I mentioned that, but just being able to get pregnant, which a lot of women are struggling with, a lot of young women are struggling with. And I think that speaks a lot about the toxic, you know, the toxins in our environment, the stress that women bear and how that affects our, our own health and our ability to reproduce. So I think breast cancer is very close to my heart that I want a lot of women to be getting on top of younger and also fertility. I don't, I don't like seeing women stressed about that. I've, I've seen it, you know, how hard it is on relationships and things like that. So I'm, I'm just really passionate about helping women feel better, but also doing so in an empowered way. So what's really cool about hormones is you can test them. Like you can know, oh, my estrogen's high or it's low, or my progesterone's high or it's low. And that's a pretty cool thing for something that's so powerful for us. And it gives us the power, especially now with direct at-home testing, which is becoming available. So really you can control a lot of, you know, the data points that you collect about your body um, in so many ways, not just your hormones, of course, but you know, with DNA being a big one, all, all types of fitness testing that's going on right now in the market. So it's a really exciting boom in direct testing. I think hormones should be at the for forefront of direct at-home testing for women. It's, it's a really important barometer for, for wellness for us. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I also think 
I feel like a lot of young women have no idea of the significance of their hormones. I mean, personally, for me, I'm 25 and I've just started to take an interest in my hormones. And I also think that that's quite early. Like a lot of my friends don't really care about their hormones and they've talked to me about their experiences with delayed periods or acne or weight gain. And after doing some research, I'm almost certain that it's all related to hormones. So why do you think that we don't really know that hormones are so important or have such a significance on our health? I think it's twofold. One, I think that there is an imbalance in the research, in in health research and in science on, on women versus men. And we know hormones are different for women and men. And so I think just that creates a, the unknown um, a lot. And I want to give a, a funny story about that on why I, when that really hit me is when I was at a dinner and there were some, there were several investors there. And one of them basically said, well, you know, Zophie doesn't really have much consumer reach because it only women could test. And it's like, women are 50% of the population and we drive our household income purchases usually. But that was a man's comment on why hormone testing was not, you know, the next big thing. I have no idea whether hormone testing with Sophie will be the next best thing, God <laughs> willing. Um, but I certainly believe that women will drive the direct um, at-home testing space in any ways. So there's that kind of mindset. <laughs> and then there's women, the natural trajectory, as unfortunate as it is for young women, is they have the symptoms that start to pop up, acne, cramps, irregular period, breast tenderness. And in a world which I would love to see, they would go somewhere and get educated, preferably their GP. And that educator would say, something's off, you know, in your hormones or elsewhere in your lifestyle. But instead, what happens is they tend to go on the birth control pill. Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. You and I would say 90% of Zofi users are now coming off the birth control pill. For, for whatever their own reasons are, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for or against it. I'm for getting educated before you make a decision. I think with respect to why women don't know a lot about their hormones is because it's like Band-Aid, right? Like, let's put a Band-Aid on it. Let's not talk about the actual hormonal implications of going on birth control, which obviously birth control plays with your hormones and how they work. And as much as I dislike social media, I think <laughs> Instagram has done a huge part of putting a lot of women out there and brave women who say like in front of everybody, I've got an irregular cycle or I have cystic acne or I can't get pregnant right now. Wow. Like kudos to those women that wasn't happening like 10 years ago, probably not even five years ago. So I think opening the space for that and, and women being kind to other women is going to enable and storytelling story sharing is just going to enable younger and younger women to hear alternative ideas about hormonal health and maybe start to question the, the paradigm a little bit. Can you speak about your eight-year journey of your hormonal health? You had acne, anxiety, overweight. How did you overcome all of these? This was my life. I was in law school. I was working out six times a week, which is not healthy. Um, I mean, aggressively six times a week. I was doing I was doing CrossFit. That was the big CrossFit phase in Michigan, which is like a CrossFit mecca. And I loved it. I was like super into it. I'm a very, I have a naturally a very athletic build. And I just start to get so puffy, like just super 
puffy, like on top of muscle because I was really strong and I was definitely gaining more muscle. I felt really uncomfortable in my own skin. I just kept putting on more weight and putting on more weight. The more I exercised, the more weight I gained. And my anxiety was just through the roof. That was the beginning of like, okay, something's got to change. Something's up, right? Like I was eating better than anybody I knew. Uh, very paleo, right? Like really high meat. Um, and I was living on coffee because that's how law students kind of survive. And when you're working out at five in the morning to do CrossFit, you kind of have to drink a lot of coffee to get through the rest of the day. Oh, I read a book and I started to learn about hormonal health and how that could impact my weight. And it started talking about like, slow down, slow down, don't overexercise. And so I switched my style of exercise just on that basis, just to support my hormonal health. I reduced my exercise a lot to just a few times a week doing bar which was very light for me at the time, although it was incredibly difficult for your, you know, your glutes and, and your smaller muscle groups as well. And I tell you, the weight flew off, like just, and I think my body was just like, whoo, less stress, right? Like exercise is a stressor, you know? And, and I think as women, we get really addicted to also wearing the badge of like, yeah, I work, I do hit, Mm -hmm. I do like Barry's boot camp five times a week. And it's like, no, thanks. I don't need to wear that badge anymore. I've worn it and I was really heavy. And so anyways, that was like the beginning. And I was like, wow, okay. If this made my hormones happy, what else can I do? And then I went and I got my hormones tested and I was just like all over the place. I had the, well, I had the classic high estrogen, low progesterone. And what does that do? High estrogen keeps the weight on low progesterone makes us super anxious. So that's why I was like, so had so much anxiety to the point where I just didn't even feel like myself. It just changed my personality so much. So it was just like little by little, every year I learned something new. Every year I did something different and, and read new books and things like that. A year later, I looked like a totally different person. A couple of years later, I felt like a totally different person. But I must say, I test with Zofi obviously every six months and the struggle is real. The struggle continues. <laughs> I just tested recently and I'm really not in a great place right now with my hormonal health. And it's just interesting how I was like eight months ago, I was really, really happy. I was saw my results and it was the first time I had good results. And now I'm back, back off, off the hormonal wagon. (laughs) So that's why retesting is really, um, is really, really important. And another reason why I think access to affordable hormone testing is so important because you can get the fanciest test day one, but like in six months after you've been changing your diet, changing your lifestyle, taking new supplements, doing whatever, well, now what? How do you know if that worked? Or how do you know if that new job totally just brought you back 10 steps? Right. Explain the process of developing and manufacturing Zofi. What goes into creating a hormonal testing kit? Well, the the kit itself is really simple. It's basically just a a saliva collection tube. And what I love about saliva testing is in addition to being um, really accurate, especially for hormones like progesterone and cortisol, it's also just non-invasive, very easy to do. And what, what goes into the, what goes into the kit? I mean, it's just the saliva tube is the most kind of the most important piece, I guess. But, um, what also goes into it is the timing of the test. So we say to our users, you need to test on, you know, days 19, 20, and 21 of your cycle and day one being the first day of bleeding. And so what does that do? Well, that instead of a GP, when you go into your doctor's office and, and, and you're like, Oh, I think I have some 
hormonal problems and your GP is going to just do a blood draw that day, let's say. Well, who knows? Are you in your follicular? Like, are you in the luteal part of your cycle? So your hormones will ebb and flow throughout your cycle. So it's hard to get a, get a read on like, well, what's optimal for Juliana at this time in her cycle, right? And maybe a woman has a different length cycle than another woman and all these things, right? So what we do do with Sophie is we pinpoint the luteal phase and then we say, okay, this is the optimal range for those three days within your cycle. And also if, you're, if you are on birth control or you are on the IUD, or other types of um, medications, we give those and we say, if you are on these, that could even alter your range. And so here, if you're on, you know, the, I think it's called the Marina or something, the IUD, we tell you, okay, this is your exact range. So we're very specific about what, you know, an optimal range is. Anyway, so that's, that's like the crux of the kit. And then what goes into it? Well, the first thing that went into it was finding, finding a doctor to come on board. That was the first thing I did to find a woman that I felt really lived and breathed women's hormones and hormonal health. And Dr. Guan is a fertility, really more of a fertility family specialist. So she's really passionate about helping women get pregnant. And I think that that's, that's the basis, right? I mean, if we can all get pregnant, we're probably a little bit closer to having happy hormones. So, um, I thought that was a great, a great uh, fit for us. And, so once we had the doctor, we have the kit, we develop the portal, which is where you log in and you view your results. So once you take your kit, your, your saliva sample, you send it back and it's return label back to our partner lab. And then you'll get an email saying, Hey, Juliana, your results are ready. Log into your Zofi portal. You log in and this is the bread and butter of Zofi. What we do is we say, okay, Juliana, let's say for instance, your estrogen is high. Actually, I think we were talking and we maybe guessed that yours might be low. So we'll, we'll go with the low. (laughs) So (laughs) you're probably right. (laughs) Let's say your, your estrogen is low. Now we would show you your number, like maybe 1.8 PG per milliliter or something like that. But then if we just stop there, which all other tests do, you would be like, oh my God, like, what do I do now though? Right. And so what we do is we, we use algorithmic technology and as well as our doctor's expertise and in your portal, you'll see a drop down that says, well, okay, here's what low estrogen means. Here are some symptoms, you know, maybe a loss of a cycle, maybe um, a thinner skin than normal, all sorts of different things. And we tell you what estrogen does in the body. And then we would say, okay, so that's, we educated you. Now we're going to talk about what nutrition is beneficial for low estrogen. For instance, you know, too many beans might not be ideal. Too much fiber can kind of metabolize too much estrogen. Um, and then we would talk about maybe seed cycling, for instance, that's always great. And then Dr. Guan would go on to, okay, supplements. Well, what supplements would be ideal? Um, and then we would go on to lifestyle, you know, things like over-exercising, managing stress, um, what kind of exercise is ideal for you and things like that. So we go through education, nutrition, supplementation, and lifestyle for every single hormone. So you walk away reading the portal and you're like, you know, you should have a lot of things to do. Like you said earlier, it's definitely educating us as women before we jump in and make a committed decision, which I really enjoy that. And I would feel much more comfortable with that experience. It's really just about test, learn, implement, retest, hopefully heal yourself. 
So the next question ties into uh, your meeting that you had with that one male investor way back when. How do you ensure that you're marketing to the right group of women? He said that there's not a lot of women to reach out to. What tactics have you used to make Zofi well-known to women? Well, that's that's a tough question. It kind of hits home because we are obviously very, we're still very, very early days. We just launched to the public in October. And by launched, I mean, you could hear crickets because we wanted it to be that way because there were so many things that I was like, oh my God, this could go wrong. This could go wrong. All the women out there that are listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start a company someday or I already am. And it's going to look like this. People are going to see it as this. It's going to do this. And I'm going to feel like this when it happens. And it just does not go that way, (laughs) you know? And it was just like, I was just dragging on and on. So all that is to say, we're still working on things. We're still a startup. And so I am very careful about, I don't stand on the rooftops and social media or like pay a ton of digital marketing because I feel like the cut, the first users that I want with Sophie are women that really, really love the brand. They really want to heal themselves and they're like our core customers. I don't want to just like market to general women on the internet that are trying to like, maybe just need a quick fix to lose weight. Like that's not our core demographic. We're still finding our product market fit. I was told before I started a startup that that was going to be the hardest thing is finding like all the Julianas in the world that like would love your product is really, really hard. And that has been so hard. So I would say, I don't know if I'm marketing to the right group of women. I would say that the tactics that we are employing that we find work really well, much to my disappointment, because I I really, in a lot of ways, don't like influencer marketing. We are super, super careful about who we partner with. They are have a lot of integrity, are, are very educated in the wellness space um, themselves. And they've tried Sophie and they genuinely love it. That who then, when she speaks to her users, will bring a lot of great quality users to Sophie that are happy, even though that QR code and the packaging still isn't working, <laughs> you know? Um, so I have this like sitting on the fence kind of mentality while we're cleaning some things up internally as a startup and with a small team that that's tough. But, um, I am learning little by little who the right, who the right Sophie, who this ideal Sophie user is. And she's just like really, really hungry for an answer. She's probably been frustrated for a long time. We had a user who hadn't had a, a period for six years, you know, and her GP was telling her that's normal. And so you can imagine she's really frustrated. She's really hungry for an answer. So anyways, tactics, it, what we are growing is is what we call our partnership, our ambassadors, um, because I don't want to just be running kind of faceless ads. Um, I really want women to speak who have you, Sophie, and to speak to their audience authentically. But I'm finding that really tough. I'm finding it really tough to find the women like my team. I have an incredible social marketing manager who is so much more than that. She's she's out there looking for women. She'll reach out to women and uh, you know who are who are coaches that have small you know fairly small micro followings and you know, we, we don't always hear back from them and it's a lot of manpower to communicate with them and to try to, to follow that up. So that's been really tough. It's probably like karma because I don't like social media and I'm not on Instagram (laughs) very much that the world is just like, well, you're not going to benefit from social media because you don't (laughs) like it deep down. It's tough that like my arch nemesis social media is what actually I need to be successful in my company. And the tactic that I'm using is I'm hoping to find a partner that will 
that will bring that side of it. And I can more manage the business, the laboratory, the doctor. I love the business side of it. I don't like the social media side to be, to be frank. And that's why Zophie is, you know, is, is still small and growing. That's definitely fair. Can you describe what a typical work day looks like for you? Lately, and luckily, thank you, universe, it has been really working on distribution, getting kits out the door, which has been really exciting. We are transitioning to a distribution warehouse. I say that every month. We have a small one locally that I use. Um, but I really enjoy like handwriting the notes, the thank you notes, because we're still at a low enough volume. So I, I still handwrite notes and really, really, really appreciate all the women that purchase. It's usually dealing with technical issues that I have no place dealing with. <laughs> uh, the poor developers that work with me, um, that's been really tough. Dealing mostly just emails, um, social, I stay pretty much 100% out of because I don't enjoy it and I'm not good at it. I have a lovely contact for that who manages everything in that world. So it's really just about dealing with problems. Like that's that's what having a business is. It's just every 10 minutes is a new email, minor problem. If it's a good week, they're not big problems. They're totally easy to solve. It's just they all take time. That's kind of what I do. And I I really want to be focusing more on on the marketing aspect. That's that's really my goal for 2021 and finding a partner. That's my goal as well. But I also ride my horse. During COVID, I've been doing a lot more kind of outdoor stuff, as I think we all are. I think that's also something so important for your hormones. That brings out my inner child. I rode all growing up and have a lot of very positive memories associated with that. When I'm out riding, I don't have my cell phone. And, you know, animals are very therapeutic. Whatever your thing is, if it's tennis, whatever. I just, I think connecting with something that's really important to you. COVID, if I were to look at the silver lining, I think for a lot of us has given us more free time. For most people, if you're a healthcare worker, obviously not, you know, removing the social aspect in a lot of ways, I think can be really good for our hormones, um, less alcohol and um, maybe some more time outside. So uh, yeah, I would really also say that that has been a big part of my journey is just getting back to things that that used to make me really happy. So you mentioned you do not enjoy the social media aspect about Zofie having to deal with social media influencers, stuff like that. What is the thing that you do enjoy most about your job? The, the most exciting thing, the most fun thing about having a startup is just like possibility. I mean, I could tell you 10 things I want to do with Sophie like tomorrow, which I just, I mean you know, the app, it's so funny. Like you, you came in and when we were originally chatting, you were talking about the app and it's like, of course, that's a natural progression. Is it a priority right now? No, it can't be. I really want to get into doing some other things in the portal, other tests, also just linking to products that, that women can, you know, kind of go and see directly. So if we do suggest a supplement or maybe a breath work or something, you can just immediately go and find that resource, you know, and doing some linking and setting all that up. And if you're a big company that takes, you know, you just assign a team and it gets done. So it, that brings me, it's like the thing I love most about it is all the excitement that I could have every day about all the things that I want to do with this company. The really cool thing about this company that I really love about it too, is it attracts really great women to want to work for it because they're passionate about it. Which then again, the flip side is I, I can't pay them as much as I want to as a startup. And that's, that pains me a lot. And, and that's really hard. It's really hard to watch um, sometimes your team working other jobs, which, which all of them do because we are you know, very small and starting out. So they're 
kind of devoting as much time as they can and all that. And I see the hard work that they do and you, I want to grow the company to, to reward them too, you know, and have them be a part of something. Every coin has the flip. And, um, so those are the things I love and hate most about it. (laughs) What are your tips for those who are actively trying to balance their hormones, but are also working full-time hours? Let's say they're like your employees, they're working a full-time and a part-time and don't have a lot of extra time to dedicate to their health. I guess if I was saying like, just pick one thing, I think, um, sleep, which I know in this kind of situation, they're working a lot of hours, but I think if, if you really look at your schedule and you give up, maybe it does mean giving up some social, uh, you know, or giving up Netflix before bed or what have you, I would definitely say just sleep. Like I, when I was going through my, my healing, when my, especially with cortisol, cortisol like needs so much sleep. I was sleeping nine hours. I think any time that a woman has hormonal imbalances, if you just invest the time in sleeping and if you wake up to exercise at 6am and you genuinely feel like I need another hour, if your body is telling you that message, sleep instead of exercise. If you're, you know, unless you're like somebody that needs to exercise for medical reasons, as in, you know, you've, you're very heavy or something like that, then that's a different story. But you know your body. That's, that's like the whole point of Sophie is like, know your body. And so if you wake up and you're tired, don't push yourself to exercise. That's what's gotten us, all of us, into so many messes. What are your tips to those who are interested in taking better care of their hormonal health, but might not have the financial freedom to go to a naturopath or even purchase a kit? There are some really great quizzes online to um, go through and check boxes and see kind of like based on your symptoms, where your hormones might lie. It's something that we're actually working on again, one of the things I've been wanting to do forever with Sophie is to get that on our website. But some of them are really good. If you find a naturopathic doctor's website, I'm pretty sure Dr. Natasha Turner, and I think she's out of Toronto, I'm pretty sure she has a hormonal health quiz. If not, like somebody of her caliber, I would look up. Sometimes women who have written hormonal health books will have quizzes on their websites. So find a credible MD or ND who's written, who's put a hormone quiz and some of them are really good. You know, they should be long because there's lots of questions to get through and then, and then go from there and see if that resonates. If it says you're high estrogen and these are the symptoms, if that's how you feel, then that could very well be what's going on. I mean, a lot of naturopaths intake forms, it, sometimes if they don't do testing, they will ask a lot of questions like that and they'll just go based off of your symptoms. So some quizzes out there are really, really good. So I would do that. And then the num- the second thing that Dr. Guan, our doctor is always recommending is seed cycling. Like take the quiz, kind of know where your hormones are at, but also um, look up seed cycling. We have a great seed cycling graphic on our Instagram that Dr. Guan created. So that's where you, you rotate based on your cycle. So if your cycle's four weeks, you, the first two weeks of your cycle, you take a certain uh, two seeds. I think they're flax seeds and maybe sunflower. The first, basically the four types of seeds are sunflower, um, pumpkin, flax seed, and oh gosh, sesame seed. So those four seeds and you rotate them based on your cycle. It sounds more complicated than it is. I always tell women that get stressed about that, just like eat the seeds, just eat all the seeds. (laughs) But 
you can find a lot of infographics and information on seed cycling. It's a very soft, like nutrition based. It's not a supplement. It's super affordable. Make sure your seeds are organic. You grind them fresh. I typically grind a few days at a time and keep them in the fridge. And you just, it's to support your hormones in that specific cycle. So it's like giving yourself an estrogen boost in the first two weeks, giving yourself the progesterone boost you need in the second two weeks. So I would do that and I would take the hormonal quiz and see where I'm at and then adjust accordingly. Awesome. How do you define success in in relation to your career? What is your definition of success? Time. (laughs) Time. Did I have a lot of time today? Wow. I feel so successful, really. Two years ago, even I wouldn't have said that. I think that all I wanted was, you know, the condo in downtown Vancouver and the great job. And, you know, I, I really valued those things and I worked really hard for them, but I didn't have any time. And that's what my mom didn't have. She was just constantly going nonstop. And I just think when you think about truly, truly wealthy people, like you can have so much money, but not have any time. Well, then what's the point, right? So I would love to assign many different barometers of success to Zophie it gives me time to choose if I, if I want to, if I need to invest in myself that day. Uh, it gives me time to choose if I want to speak to a user for 45 minutes in the middle of a day about her, you know, her story, even though that's probably not what I should be doing to achieve success. You know, I, I really love the freedom to be able to do those things. So time is my, my definition of success. I love that. I've never actually thought of it in that sort of sense, but it makes perfect sense. What's the most valuable piece of advice you've ever received during your career? It was advice I didn't take, and I wish I did. As I'm sure we can gather after this conversation, I had no business starting a technology startup. Like I was a lawyer and I, you know, didn't even use Instagram. I mean, I just had to download Firefox to use this program today. So I'm not technologically inclined. <laughs> and um, so what I, what I did when I started the idea of founding Zofi is I worked with an advisor who's out of a, a U.S. firm and they advise kind of startups and things as, as the entrepreneurs like putting the plan together. And he told me, build like the cheapest version of Zofi, like basically build, have them take the test and then like maybe make just a PDF that you send them with like some tips on it and make that your, your MVP. We hear that a lot, like your, you know, like just your, your basic product what your most valuable, you know, basis of your, the crux of your product is just get that out and then take feedback and see if they like it and spend no money doing that. Just get that out and then start taking feedback. Don't go to town building the dream business and then launch. That was like number one advice, which I didn't take. I built the portal out way too sophisticated for where I was at. I should have just started talking to users right away. Luckily, we have had incredible feedback from the beta users that instead of getting a PDF, they actually got access into the portal, which, you know, if I'd listened to the advice, I would have put those 30 women that were part of our beta, like through a very basic, here's a a PDF with HIPAA compliance, which is the Privacy um, Regulatory Act here in the US, which is very strict. You have to be very careful with sending data. So I was trying to follow as a lawyer, following proper procedure and privacy rights, um, protecting our users. So I I'm so glad I did that. So that was number one. Like I should have just built it really, really like hustled, very scrappy. I wish I did that. I, a lot of ego I think was in the place there. I just like, I just come from a 
my career. And I think I was really worried about my dad. My poor dad kept saying to me, like, do you think they'll take you back? Like, he, he was just like really upset. You know, I could tell even though he was like, you know, very supportive. But anyway, so I didn't I didn't take that advice. And I wish I had. That's a great piece of advice. If you have an idea out there, and I'm sure so many of your audience do have ideas, just put it out there. You don't need to quit your job to do it. Just um, do it that side hustle, which, you know, is kind of an overused word. But even if you just sell it to a few people and, and start asking questions and doing surveys and stuff like that. And then the other great piece of advice was have your marketing plan, like know how you're going to sell the product before you even create the product. Because doesn't matter how great it is. If you can't sell it, what's the point? And that that's the struggle that we have with Sophie right now is that I created this incredible product that I think it's incredible. I love it. I love the idea. And I, I think a lot of women come to me really gravitated towards it. I haven't figured out my marketing channels and I didn't have that digital marketing experience. And by the time we got there, funds were tight. We built the platform, we hired, we'd done all that. We, you know, it's expensive by the time you fund a company and, and especially a technology company as a non-technical founder like I am. So I did it. And then I, then I was like, oh God, a digital marketing director, a digital marketing plan, a digital marketing budget. You know, I just... I just didn't have that background to understand that need. I was so focused on creating the portal and making sure that when she looked at the portal, she understood you know, what she needed to do and that she was going to make improvements on her health. Rather than thinking about how am I going to get this message out to the world, which is so important. And that was also a piece of advice. I was just so head down into the trees. I just lost sight of the big forest, which is like, you got to sell. You really have to sell. Otherwise you're going to, you know, so, and, and that's a, that's a very real struggle that I'm facing because I didn't follow that advice. And I think if any woman is thinking of starting a business, that's something she should be 99% of her time focused on. <laughs> Definitely. It can be probably very challenging and overwhelming to keep a, an eye out of everything. Like you said, like the big forest rather than just, I myself am always so nitpicky about specific things that I always forget to just take a step back and look at the bigger picture and is it really worth all of that stress or that focus or all of your resources into one thing when you're lacking on the other side? Exactly. How do you continue to pursue your career while honoring and maintaining your health? Another big struggle, but I would say because of that time piece, as I more as I as I continue to ask the universe for more time because that's uh, what I want to manifest into my into my life. It keeps giving me more time. And what can we do with time? We can sleep more. We can exercise more. We can take more time to cook our meals. Remember to take our supplements, take deep breaths. That's all time. Yeah, it's self-care, but you have to have time to do those things. So I would say that at times where I should be working, I uh, sometimes I guess I just, I think that I honored in that way by what I've started to do is I, if I feel like I'm really pushing to try to solve a problem and it's just, let's say it's going on for longer than a week, I will just maybe take two days off where I just like don't answer emails on that topic. And it's amazing how many things, if you just, if you really let it go, the universe will solve for you. So, you know, when, when you just stop pushing hard against something and let it resolve, sometimes that can help. And again, letting go of the ego, you know, it's, it's hard to have a startup that, you know, is just starting and doesn't have the packaging you want and all those things and just letting go and just really appreciating where you've got, you know, where you are so, so far. I think those things have helped me take care of my health. In addition to looking at the bigger picture, maybe starting out smaller than going 
really big. What advice would you give listeners who have an innovative idea but don't know where to start to materialize it? Well, the Y Combinator program is incredible. I don't know if have you heard of that. No, what's that? You can go on YouTube and watch all the videos of Y Combinator, which is an incubator program for startups. Like, I'm trying to think of some big names that have been on there, but I swear like Airbnb was on there or something. Like they have a lot of really big names. They have the executives from the founding teams of like Airbnb or like all these food delivery companies that were, you know, that have come now to be a norm, but were startups at one point. They come in and they talk and they give lectures on to like founders, to young founders who are sitting in the audience. And what Y Combinator does is they, people apply with their ideas and they say like, invest in my company. Like I'll give you 10% of my company, give me a hundred thousand dollars. And then I'm going to come to San Francisco to Y Combinator and learn and be on the campus and talk to other founders and grow my company with you as kind of my guide which, wow, what a cool environment. But you can watch them all at home. You can go through startup school online. It's free. They have check-ins. You can meet other founders on it. It's amazing. So that's like number one. Number two, find another woman who's founded her own company and is in that world, that space. Because the conversations you'll have with her or him, I think women have a special place of empathy, but... (laughs) And so you can just be really honest with each other. And and then at the same time, it's like a huge pat on the back. What are you most excited about right now? What are some big projects uh, you're working on? Yeah, I feel like my big projects aren't very exciting because what we're working on right now is just, it's just being better. Like I'm just working on just getting our distribution more streamlined and just getting our core product to work better rather than all the bells and whistles. Like I would love to overhaul our packaging and doing all those things, but um, our technology could be smoother and better and our portal could be a little bit less glitchy, things like that, just so that we're really streamlined. That's my, that's my number one priority. And then number two is actually going to be my next big turn and focus will be that digital marketing aspect. Hopefully, if I didn't totally bore everybody getting on more podcasts and and, uh, and really sharing more um, about what Zofi is, that's like the next step. But first, I really want to like hone in on our product so that everybody's really wowed with it, really loves it, and then scale once I know that we've got it. Thank you so much for listening to the Her Define podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want your feedback. Do you have any successful entrepreneurial or businesswoman in your life who should be featured on an episode of Her Defined? If so, send me a DM on Instagram at Her Defined Podcast or by email at herdefinedpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode has been produced and edited by yours truly, Juliana Dallacosta. Be sure to check back next Tuesday for another episode to hear her stories, hear her advice, hear her defined. <laughs>